Simon for being here. Um, talked to several ladies, and I, I think last night really was a blessing to many. And I'll tell you, even for me, um, it was. Um, I've talked to several, and took me forever to wind down, but you know, ADHD anyway, and really excited. But also, I was reflecting on everything, and I was like, Lord, I really wanted to get through that without boohooing like a baby, but. It's like, you can't not, you know, you know I, I'm emotional and a crier and everything anyway. But um, the cool thing is, you know, what I was, when I was reflecting, you know, the Lord showed me, he said, there's another step for healing for you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it was. And that brings freedom and it brings a whole lot more joy. And uh, while it's hard and it hurts and that's raw stuff, you know, but it's important, you know, to get it out. And several ladies have also come to me and said, you know what, I've got a story similar to yours. And I was like, yeah, I'm sure you do. We all do have a story, you know, and some are more hurtful and raw than others. And, you know, some are, you know, but we all have that story. Um, so I want to share just a couple things, lead in prayer and turn it over to Valerie. Um, but first of all, about my dress, you may say, hey, if you're hosting a conference and stuff, you probably shouldn't just be good. Well, this is me, and this is why I'm doing this, because I thought about dressing up, and I'm like, I'm not comfortable dressed up. I, anybody that knows me knows I am not comfortable dressing up. And so last night, I was like, well, I can do a little bit better while I'm speaking, but then I was like, no, I'm putting on that bodysuit, and i got to cover that up, and I'm going to be melting down, and my nerves are all... You know, so, and when I was here, Lisa came and she said, well, I'm so glad to see you in shorts. And I said, you know, I thought about that and I prayed about that and I was going to dress up. And I was like, no, if I come in here dressed up as something that I'm not comfortable in, what is that making a statement of? Don't be somebody that you're not be comfortable because it was hard enough <laughs> as is. So this is why I'm dressed down. I'm sorry. Don't be offended. This is me. I don't wear shorts to church generally, but I do generally wear t-shirts and jeans or khakis. So, you know, but the Lord does not look on the outside appearance. He looks on the heart, and I'm going to be modest. I promise you that because I don't like anything showing, so you don't have to worry about that. But I just wanted to settle that, you know, because now Valerie always dresses up. Valerie is just amazing. She dresses up and looks good and all that. So, you know, and she's probably saying, this ain't dressed up. It is compared to me, you know. But some people like that, and that's wonderful. I'm proud for you if you're comfortable. Melanie's dressed up. A lot of you ladies are dressed up. This is dressed up for me. Sorry. So, <laughs> But I did also want to say, um, you know, there was a lot I didn't hit last night, and a lot of things, and I was sharing that uh, to a couple of people that I said a couple of things and the devil really did come at me and was like, you probably shouldn't have said that. But, you know, it was part of my story and it was part of my healing. So, yes, I should have. But something I didn't get to share that I think is huge, and especially for you younger ladies that are here, um, you know, when I said, I said last night I threw away a four-year college degree, and I did. I had gotten a year and a half complete, and then I threw it away when things didn't go my way. Well, I want to report to you, God does restore because just in December at 41 years old, I got my degree. And I'm thankful for that. That is true. But that was because God meant good 
deliver me from the evil, even when I made the bad decisions. So God can and will turn your life completely around when you allow him. And my degree is in social work, and I say that because that is my passion. love to counsel and to help people. And Lord willing, I'll be starting my master's next summer. And um, it's up to the Lord of what I do with it or from there. But I, I wanted to add that because that is so huge. So don't think you can't go back and redo something over. If God means for you to do it, he will allow the way. It was hard. It's hard taking care of somebody, raising a family, working full time, and going to school. But it's possible. I'm right here. I did it. 41 years old. So um, thankful for that. Today, uh, Valerie will be sharing uh, her heart. And I'm sure there's some vulnerability there. And I know when the Wests come, there's a lot of vulnerability there. Um, I do want to prepare you again. If, has anybody heard her story? So uh, one person, y'all are in for a treat. I'm telling you, it's raw, it's rough. She's going to show pictures. They're going to be hard to look at, okay? But it's their story, and it's an amazing story of healing, forgiveness, just <clears throat> redemption, a whole lot of things. So I know you're going to enjoy that. And we all shared this because, number one, being obedient, and then the freedom and the healing and the joy that it brings. And I just want to say this one more quote and pray and then turn it over to Sister Valerie to give her all the time that she needs and wants. Um, Elizabeth Elliot said this, everything, if given to God, can become your gateway to joy. And boy, that, that hit. Because it's hard to look at some of this stuff. You know, we briefly touched on Joseph and everything that happened to him. And you think about Paul and you know, it's like, man, they, they suffered a lot. That was a hard life. That was, how is there joy in that hard stuff? But there is, and everything, if given to God, can become your gateway to joy. So again, be obedient to what he gives you to do and to share. Share your story. You know, um, it's not easy by any means, but once you do it, you will find the healing, the freedom, I'm sure others feel that way and stuff like that. So, um, you know, just be mindful of that. We'll give you an opportunity um, to share in a little bit. Uh, one last housekeeping. Did everybody sign in? Because this is for door prizes, so I don't want anybody left off. All right. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then Sister Valerie. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you. We're so grateful and thankful for this time. Help us, Lord, to clear our hearts, clear our minds, clear our stage, Lord. Help us to just put everything aside, God, that might be hindering us or that we have our minds upon, Father. We know that the world tries to overtake us with things that are not even important, but God, help us to put our hope and our trust and our thoughts and just cap capture our minds and our thoughts, Father, that we would focus on you for this time that you've given us, Father. We thank you for this time. But I ask that you would pour your blessings upon Sister Valerie, Lord, as she shares, and God, for the West, as they come in and share, pour your blessings upon every lady that's here. Thank you for them taking time out of their day, God, to come to hear others share about you, Father, giving you the glory, honor, and praise, God, and help us to never forget, God, that it's only because of you and your goodness and your mercy and your grace that we're even allowed to be here today and to stand and share to do anything for you, Father. Lord, just forgive
forgive us of our sins. God, change me. Challenge us, Father. Help us, Lord. We're desperate for you. And God, we ask all of this in your sweet, holy, precious name. Amen. <coughs> that I had a story for her and Sabrina. And um, I hope you all rested so well last night. Well, yes and no. <laughs> well, last night I dreamed that um, I somehow ended up late. Couldn't find my notes. Um, it was already like 9 o'clock, and I was thinking I was supposed to even start teeth, you know, talking or whatever. So, um, anyway, needless to say, it was uh, a little bit of a rough evening, but that's okay. We're here today. It'll be over before I know it, and um, I thank the Lord for that. <laughs> so, uh, as, as both the ladies have said this morning, it is um, hard to tell your story, and like everybody said, I mean, you guys have amazing stories, and, um, you know, I don't know why the Lord decided that my story needed to be told this morning, but... I hope I do it justice, and, um, you know, it's because of him that I have even the ability to have a story, um, and I am going to start out with a song, so I, I really wasn't going to, and I told everybody, well, I told my husband and Kate I wasn't going to be singing, and then yesterday morning, he kind of started nudging, and I was kind of like, well, no, nah, I don't really think that's needed, <laughs> you know, like, I, I'm, I'm good, I think this is fine, <laughs> and it's fine, it's fine. Let's just not do that. And um, and so, but I, I did feel it uh, stronger last night. And I know, I know this is the song that the Lord laid on my heart to sing. Um, and the words of it, 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 it's well with my soul, um, speak to the fact that even in times of challenge and um, trials that we face, that the Lord is so faithful to make it well within our soul when, when the world around us is feeling like it's closing in. He is our refuge, uh, as we've heard. So just listen to the words of it, and then I'll get into um, what I want to share this morning. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea, Oh, 
And he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Um, and uh, the still, small voice that the Lord has, and that he uses, is really what I want to talk a little bit about today and, and how I sort of figured out how to listen for it um, better than what I had done before. Um, when I was born, uh, my, my mom named me uh, with the middle name of Faith. I really never thought about that much as a middle name. It didn't really matter to me. I mean, a lot of times, you know, people say, well, my mom was always, you know, using my middle name when I was in trouble. Um, if we got to the middle name, I, I never heard it, I'm sure, because I was either whipped or looked at by that point, and so it never needed to come out. Um, so it really wasn't used very often, um, but it, in all seriousness, um, I really didn't think about it a whole lot because nobody ever called me by that. I never really used it. I never had any reason to write it down, so it really made no difference to me at that point. But uh, in Hebrews eleven eleven, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And Webster defines faith as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Um, now, I wanted to share my middle name with you for a reason, and uh, I hope as we get through this, it'll all become a little more clear. But I, I did bring um, a book from my childhood, and I think my mom and I are probably fans of this. I don't know if anybody has ever read a Sweet Pickles book. Um, for those that were growing up in the 70s and 80s, these were very popular. Um, but Very Worried Walrus was a great description of who I am as a person. And it is, although it might look like a large book, it's not. So I am going to read it to you because I want you to start to imagine who I am at my core. Um, and <clears throat> we'll start with this. I'd really like to ride this bike, said Walrus, but I'm afraid I'll fall off. No, you won't, said Pig. Don't worry. There's a lot to worry about, sighed Walrus. If I fall off, I'll get hurt, and then I'll have to go to the doctor. And I'll need medicine or bandages or stitches. Oh, well, that's silly, laughed Pig. Bicycle riding is fun. There's no reason to worry. Ha, huh, that's all right for you to say, gulped Walrus. You're not about to get up on this bicycle. There's so much to worry about when you're up on a bicycle. An awful lot can go wrong. You have to steer and pedal and balance. You have to look out in front of you and on both sides and make sure no one is behind you and not go too fast and use your brakes. And you can still crash and bump and fall and slip and slide and get hurt. And if I get hurt, then I'll have to make, I'll, they'll have to take me to the hospital in an ambulance. I can see it now. There's a traffic jam on Main Street. The ambulance gets stuck. The driver radios the police to send a helicopter to come out. When the helicopter arrives, there's no place to land, so the pilot lowers a rope. And the ambulance driver ties his stretcher to the rope, and the helicopter goes up. Up, up, and over the rooftops and out towards the river. There I am. Hanging on the end of a rope attached to a helicopter, flying over the water. And the rope snaps. <laughs> down I go, down, 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 splash. I'm in the river and it's cold and I swim and swim. 
Finally, a tugboat passes by and it picks me up. But the tugboat's going in the wrong direction, and by the time I get off, I'm miles away from home. And the last train is left, and the buses aren't running. So I start walking, and it's cold, and it's getting dark, and my sweater's dripping, my shoes are going splish, splosh, splish, and it starts to rain. I'm so tired, and it's really dark, and I'm hungry, and there's nothing around. There's no houses, no people, no nothing. Hey, 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 Laura, stop worrying so much. It's a beautiful day. The sun is shining. The flowers are blooming. Think of the fun you'll have riding the bicycle. Walrus looked at Pig, and he looked at the bicycle. Well, maybe. Maybe it'll be all right. Maybe it will be. I, I guess I'll try. Walrus got on the bicycle. He balanced. He pedaled. He looked ahead. He looked to the side. Wee! this is fun. He went faster. He looked behind him. He ran into a tree. <laughs> Crash! <laughs> Walrus lay on the ground. He thought about the ambulance and the helicopter and the tugboat. Hey, Walrus, you okay? Walrus stood and brushed himself off. He looked down at his feet. He felt himself all over. Then he looked at Pig and said, smiled. Don't worry. I'm fine. <laughs> um, but I share that with you because um, even as a child, I was very much a worrier and always afraid. And uh, my mind will take me in a lot of places very quickly, um, and so it's really hard for me a lot of times, uh, even if there is nothing to worry about, then I will worry because there's nothing to worry about, and I probably should get myself prepared for what should be possibly coming so that I control the situation, <laughs> um, and that's not the life that God uh, has for me nor for any of us, but, but that is who I am at my core. Um, but when I was six, I realized I was lost and I needed a Savior, and uh, Christ came and spoke to my heart, and uh, I was saved, and I really felt such joy at that moment. It truly was the, the weight of my sin lifted off of my shoulders. and But I really had no idea what happened um, or even what I received. And honestly, as I grew up, I had such a, a great childhood. Um, I had wonderful parents who took me to church and a dad who was a, who is a preacher. Um, and our life was full of church and prayer and um really nothing wrong. I mean, it, there was nothing bad that ever happened in my childhood, and I thank my parents. They'll never know the the great life that they gave me as a child because of their obedience to the Lord. Um, but my most memorable God moment when I was little was um, when a large tree fell beside our home, and I really don't know how old I was, but uh, it was at night, and Dad was working, and um, Mom had put us in bed with her because it was a really bad storm, and I really don't recall remembering how scared she was. I wasn't really scared, I don't think, um, and, uh, you know, moms are usually pretty good at hiding if they're a little bit worried, but she got us in bed with her, and um, we prayed about it, and uh, we all went to sleep, and, um, and that's a, a testament to what the Lord can do in those moments when you have fear. Um, and it was a great opportunity for me to see my mom pray about something. We went to sleep. My dad come home and um, told us that the tree had fell. We never heard it. Um, it was laid just as pretty as you please beside uh, a porch. Didn't damage any property, didn't damage us, and we were safe. And it was an opportunity for me to really witness my parents praising God um, and pointing to the fact that God had protected us through the night. I got to see my parents rejoice and to tell others, and it was a 
an example to me of when the Lord does things for you in your life, you ought to tell others about it. Um, but at 17, uh, I made some decisions in my life that I wish I could go back and maybe do differently. But I went into a relationship with a, a guy that I knew. Um, and kind of like the ladies have said here, very naive, very gullible. Um, because my parents had brought me up and I'd always been in church. I didn't think there was any reason that anybody would lie to me or do anything wrong to me. So I just assumed everything was true and... Um, assumed that how he was treating me was okay because I'd never really been in a relationship before and um, he was very um, emotionally and mentally abusive to me Um, and I really didn't want to take it to the next level with him but he kept asking and pressuring me so much that I finally just decided I just don't want the conflict anymore so okay and um, I became pregnant And I I wish I could tell you at that point that I realized how much I needed to go deeper into a relationship with the Lord, but I really didn't. Um, I got married. That was the right thing to do. You know, you get pregnant, you marry this person. Um, Again, a lot of what I thought to be true after I was married found out wasn't true. Um, But needless to say, um, it was discovered as we went through our, our first year of marriage, and um, it was a very difficult year. Um, Like I said, my childhood was so wonderful. I never needed anything. Um, We weren't the richest people in the world, but I never thought, what am I going to do if I don't have food? Um, And I, in that relationship, had to um, work right after. So I had her at 17, and um, about six weeks after she was born, I went to work because he wouldn't. And um, so... We really struggled for a long time, and uh, I had to really call on the Lord often just for needs. So what I knew of him was I knew I could go to the Lord, and I knew I could ask him to help me. Um, And that was about as deep as that relationship was at that point. And I did call on him a whole lot um, because we we truly struggled a ton. But um, that was about it on how my relationship was. If I needed something, I asked the Lord for it. Um, I got to the point in that relationship where I realized I, I really couldn't continue to live the way that we were living. And um, I got this bright idea. I had come to Bible school, and I found out he hadn't done what he was supposed to do, and he was supposed to go to work that day, and he didn't. I found that out. And so on my way home from Bible school, I prayed and I told the Lord, I said, I'm going to give him an ultimatum. I think when when I get home, I'll just say, you know, if you want to continue with this relationship, then you're going to have to go to work. And if you say, no, you won't go to work, then we're not, we're not going to be together anymore. But you know, in my mind, (laughs) I'm such a wonderful person. Who wouldn't choose to be with me, right? Um, So when I gave him that ultimatum, he said, it probably is the best decision for us not to be together anymore. And that was devastating. Um, because here I am now, 18, with a baby, and about to be divorced. And so I moved back in with my mom and my dad, and I really agonized over, what, what am I going to do? Am I going to be married to this man? Am I going to get a divorce? Does he want to? Like, sometimes he would kind of want to fix it again, and sometimes he kind of wouldn't want to fix it again. He wouldn't want to do anything I asked him to do. And um, I was so... Um, distraught over this decision because I knew I'd already made the mistake of having a kid out of wedlock 
I'd already entered into this marriage I probably wasn't supposed to be in. So now I'm just going to add another mistake on top of all of that and get a divorce. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do the right things for for the Lord um, and the right things for my life. And um, so I spent a lot of time in prayer asking God for direction to keep me from making a mistake in this moment. Because I knew it was wrong to get a divorce, but I also knew what I was living in was not right either. Um, And so I did get to a place where God gave me peace and he released me from that marriage. And I believe with all of my heart, it was a biblical release um, of that marriage because of things that he had done. Um, But I was able to walk in confidence of that decision uh, because it really wasn't what I wanted, but it it was what I knew needed to happen and what was right for me and and for my daughter. But that moment opened my eyes to just how to invite God into my life, um, how to seek his will for decisions that I need to make, and how to listen carefully for his still, small voice. Um, because when I went the first time, I didn't get an answer. When I went the second time, I didn't get an answer. I went millions of times before I got the answer of what I needed to do. Um, and about a year passed, and David came back into uh, my life, and we'd grown up together. And I, you know, I knew he always had a crush on me. And um, funny story, <clears throat> all couples have, you know, a really great love story. And ours will always be met with comedy. Um, when, I, when I was going to marry my first husband, and I was pregnant, which makes this all the more romantic, David called me, and he told me he loved me. And I said, love you too, and I hung up. <laughs> because I thought it was that, you know, we're in youth together, and it was the I love you, I support you. And uh, unfortunately, it was that I love you, like I would... I would take you and this child on, um, which was such a romantic gesture. Um, but I, at that moment, wasn't in the place to accept that. And um, luckily, he did not give up on me. Um, but it brought another opportunity of what am I going to do, another life decision. Um, because we were friends. We did go to church together. And I didn't want to get into a relationship with somebody that I felt like God didn't want me to be in a relationship with. I didn't want to ruin a great friendship, and I didn't want to make it uncomfortable in church. So I prayed about it for a long time uh, around what we needed to do, what should be the right thing to do. So um, I, I really listened and felt like that was something that God had for me. And as Tisha talked about this morning, I felt like God really restored the marriage that I felt like I screwed up on um, and gave me a man that is a godly man. Um, and, you know, we've not always had easy moments. Um, we're very different people, and um, it took us a long time to figure out how to, you know, work a blended family. That's not easy. Um, and so I leaned on that faith, though, and, and I knew every time there was a challenge in, in my marriage, I knew well, you got me into this, Lord, so you're going to have to get me out of it. You're going to have to help me through it. I'm just kidding. Um, I knew God had given me the man that I was meant to be with, and that helped in those moments where it was challenging and it was a struggle. Um, 
But um, during that time, I, I really started to, to build and blossom a relationship with the Lord that I, I am so grateful for because it built the foundation for what I was going to need later in my life and, and really the, the relationship that God desires for us to have um, to, to get really deep into his word, to be fascinated by it, um, and really to call on him every day, not just in moments where you needed to. And uh, during that time, when we had, uh, right before we'd gotten married, I really struggled with my salvation. Uh, it was really hard for me to figure out, like, did I really get it at six years old? Or do I really have faith in God? Do I have what it takes to get to heaven? Um, and because of that struggle, I, that's what kind of forced me into those moments of digging deeper into the word, really trying to figure out, like, I need you to tell me, am I what, am I saved? Am I right? Am I going to go to heaven? Am I doing the things you need me to do? And, um, he started showing me a lot around, um, how to, to fast in the gift of intercessory prayer. And I really know my limitations. I'm a very shy person, um, very introverted, and I thought, okay, well, this is probably something I can do. This is a behind-the-scenes opportunity. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go deeper in this. So I really started to try to understand how you use fasting and how to have a more committed prayer life, um, especially as it pertained to just decisions I needed to make in my life. And um, as I, I built that, uh, there was definitely struggles between my daughter's biological father and myself. Um, he was exposing her to things that I didn't agree with, that I didn't support. Um, and I didn't know what to do about it. Nobody that I knew had been divorced. Um, so I didn't know what you were supposed to do. How do you fight that battle? Um, you know, I thought, well, am I supposed to take action? Am I supposed to be the good Christian person that just kind of like doesn't, you know, you're not supposed to sue anybody. You're not supposed to take people to court. You're supposed to work it out, right? Um, and, uh, I, I really just tried to ask God, you know, how, how do I protect her from this? So I would read the Bible. Um, I would really fast and pray about like things as they come up and ask the Lord to give me the direction that I needed. And, um, you know, I, I really, I, I wanted to fully rely on God and because I'm, I'm not really much of a talker, um, I am, because I'm very introverted, I don't really want to share my feelings. So uh, I really started to learn how to just tell the Lord if I'm sad, if I'm angry, if I'm whatever. I would just tell him just like I would my best friend. And that's really how he became my best friend is because I went to him all the time. Um, even when I was in my very worried walrus stages of well, what if this happens and what if that happens? And, and that happened a lot when um, I was trying to decide how to help my daughter in the situation that she was in. Like, well, what if he takes my rights away? Or what if he says this? Or what if he does that? And then, you know, we just build and build and build. And, and the Lord would try to be like, um, you know, little pig here. It's going to be okay. Let's <laughs> calm down. Um, and he would definitely calm me down and help guide me on to what was the right thing to do. Um, but I really learned that I don't know the right way. Um, but I knew that if I had faith, um, which again brings me back to my middle name, I knew if I had faith that he did know the right way. So even if things worked out differently than I hoped, I could still trust in him um, that he would work it out the way it was supposed to be. And I knew if I was giving myself to fasting, if I was praying, if I was doing all that I could, 
That's all I can do. I can't control the situation. I can only give the Lord my best. And so I think in those moments where I started trying to have this, like, you know, fasting, praying, reading, you know, struggling with, I, I, this, this is what I control. It kept me in that stage of I still thought I could control it. So if I'm good enough, if I'm uh, praying enough, if I'm fasting enough, if I'm, you know, giving all that I can on my side, then, then the Lord will give on his. But really what I began to learn as I would study and move more into it, it, was, it really wasn't about the ability to control the situation. It was about our relationship together. And uh, Tish and Sabrina talked about that intimate relationship. And because I would kind of, when I would fast, I would hide myself away, if you will, at times. It gave me that moment to be really intimate with him. And it was just the two of us in whatever it was that we we were working through or however I was trying to kind of build that foundation. I just wanted a deeper relationship with him. I didn't want the surface things. Um, but that battle between her father and I went on, um, you know, honestly, her, her whole 18 years, and it goes on now if I'm honest, but I'm just not in the middle of it. Um, but when she was 12 and things had kind of evened out a little bit, uh, we had our son, Coy. He was healthy. He was happy. He brought a lot of joy into our household. It was very exciting. Um, but the next challenge that tested my faith was when he was five. Uh, he had been sick for about a week, and he wasn't getting any better. And so I'd taken him to his primary care physician, and they'd said, you know, hey, if he gets worse, I'd, I'd probably take him to children's. So later that night, he had what I can only describe as like an episode. Um, so he went running around holding his head, yelling, you know, make it stop, make it stop. And it was very terrifying because I didn't know what was happening, and obviously something in his head was happening. And so um, we rushed him to, to children's, and um, we were there for a couple of hours, as you always are. You're just sitting there kind of waiting. And um, he had this place on his neck, and it just kind of kept growing the longer that we were there. And so they, they did a scan. They, they put oxygen on him, and um, they were kind of concerned that his airway was going to close off. And so they're doing all this, and they said, you know, we're just going to take him up to the ICU portion just just so we can monitor him but we're gonna we're gonna send you up there and we want you to talk to one of the doctors and like, okay um i didn't really think anything about it i assumed you know it's the normal your kid's sick right so we get up there into the room and um i really was not prepared for what the, the doctor was going to tell me so she said um we think that he has uh, lymphoma cancer and um, we're going to have to call in another doctor to find out for sure. Uh, but it's New Year's Eve, so we're going to have to wait till a doctor can come in from, from being on call. And um, I was in one of those moments of my up and down relationship with the Lord. So um, I felt like, man, I should have been better prepared for this moment, right? It goes back to that. I should be, I, you know, I, I should be controlling it. Why didn't I know that this was a fear that I should have been, you know, being prepared for? Like, I'm not prepared for this now. Um, and so I really struggled for the 24 to 48 hours um, that we sat and waited to figure out whether or not he had lymphoma. And um, I really thought, you know, I was going to go crazy, and I, I didn't eat, I, I didn't sleep. Uh, he would continue to have these episodes where he was just, like, his heart rate would increase. He had a lot of anxiety. Um, 
And we would pray and sing, and it was an opportunity to watch what God could do in that moment, though, because when his heart rate would go up and he was having this attack, then we would start to pray and sing, and you could see his heart rate go back down, and he would settle. Um, And we would just do this constantly for the next 24 to 48 hours as he would have these episodes. And um, while I was waiting, um, David said, you know, you, you go... You can go into this room and, and lay down and rest. You, you need to sleep. And so I thought, well, you know, I, I, maybe I'll go and do that. But all I could do when I got there was to just pray. And um, it's I, the one thing that I guess I could say is I don't think it's within our own power to do this. Like, your own flesh can't turn something over to the Lord. Um, but in that moment, he gave me a measure of faith in that hour. And I said, I'll still love you. And I'll still serve you if you do this. And um, went back up to the room. Another doctor came in. Um, it was just a pocket of infection. It's like, no big deal. We're going to cut, cut it open, drain it. He's going to go home and he's going to be fine. And he was. Um, I really believe that moment was a testing ground for me in being able to be prepared for what would happen the next year. Um, So we as a family faced one of the hardest trials that I've ever faced, and I do still have a lot of trauma from that. Um, Anytime that, you know, Kate says she's got a pain or she's sick, I can't help it. There is a fear that rises up in me, and I think as a mama, it's just it's just natural. Um, but even though it was the hardest thing I ever faced, it was the closest that I've ever been to the Lord. And I learned so much in those early years as I saw him. Like, I thought I was building this prayer, I don't know, practice and fasting practice to control things. But he allowed me to do it because he knew it would build the foundation for what I needed it for, really, which was this moment in time. And um, so she started experiencing, and I know a lot of you know this part of my story, but um, for those of you who don't, she started experiencing some pain on her side. We thought she had pulled a muscle, and so... Few months had passed, and it was just kind of coming and going. And so we finally were like, "Okay, let's let's go and see a doctor." And honestly, we spent probably like six months in and out of appointments as pain would just kind of come and go. And in December of 2015, they did a bone scan uh, to make sure she didn't have bone cancer, and that was an agonizing wait uh, for the results. So while I was waiting, I asked the Lord, um, as I often do, and I'm sure many of you do too, "What's going on here?" <laughs> What do I need to get prepared for? Uh, Where are we going with this? And um, what direction do you have for me? And he gave me Psalms 138.8, which says, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth thee. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. So when he gave me that verse, I I had peace about it. I thought, okay, you're going to take care of everything. Um, So... um, there, they came back and the results were normal. So it's like, okay, yep, yep. He did exactly what he thought or what he said. Like, this is this is fine. This is nothing. So three months later, the, came, the pain came back. 
And it was so bad at this point. Um, they had given her some just like pain medication. Actually, I don't, it's crazy that they gave her the levels of pain medication that they did um, to have on hand when she would have these attacks. And we had her take one and it, it, it would not stop the pain. Um, and so at that point when she took it and the pain was so bad that nothing touched it, let's go to the emergency room. So we went to the emergency room, and um, they did an ultrasound. They're like, um, we're going to take her, and we're going to do maybe a, a like CT scan. And when they said CT scan, you know, like everybody does, let's Google that. <laughs> Why do you do CT scans? What could happen? So I already started into the panic moment of, okay, I need to get as much information as possible before they're about to tell me what's going to be, what's going to happen. And so they came back. And uh, they did say, you know, there is a mass there. Um, and in that moment, I just, my heart sank. I just, I knew it was going to be bad. And um, so as it became my routine, I did ask him, so, you know, okay, what what is going on here? And I've asked you before, but I, I need you to tell me what's going on here. And he gave me John eleven four, And it said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. So I thought, oh, okay, okay. Well, this is, this is going to be okay. This is going to be fine. So we went to her regular doctor that Monday, um, and he said, well, you know, the good thing is that I don't, I don't think it would be cancer because if it were cancer, she would be dead by now. She's already, you know, she's already been having this issue for almost a year, so I'm sure it's fine. But let's send you to the surgeon so you can get it taken out. All the while, though, in my own heart, I knew this is not good. This is not good. And so... We went to a surgeon. He didn't feel comfortable operating on it before he got a biopsy of it. Um, and this doctor is uh, one that we really grew a connection with. So in that moment where you think, oh, somebody just tells you to go to this doctor, right? It's just nothing. That's not a big deal. God orchestrated this specific doctor for what we needed. He was a Christian man. And he was uh, the one who got her into Vanderbilt within a week. And he was the one who, if we had questions, he would always welcome us to come back and talk to him. And so he was um, really sent from God, providence, no doubt about it. Um, But when we we went and had her biopsy, um, there was probably like a few weeks of waiting for the biopsy and then also waiting for the results of it and... um, It was a very agonizing three weeks Um, because, again, I moved into my very worried welfare estate. Was it cancer? What type of cancer? What would the treatment be? How is she going to live? What's her life going to look like? What are we going to do? What's the decisions? How am I going to know what's the right thing to do? What medication will she need to be on? You know, like it went on and it went on and it went on. And uh, there was a moment where um, I just... (laughs) that the fear and the doubts and the worry just overtook me. And um, everybody knows my list, and this is where my, my list came to be. And um, I, I uh, asked the Lord, I said, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to have to help me because if you don't help me, I'm going to have a heart attack because I cannot deal with the fear. I can't deal with the worry. Um, and so he told me to fast, and he told me to pray and write down, what do you know? Because at that moment, 
what I didn't know was almost more terrifying than what I did know. And so I wrote down um, really everything about him and his goodness and his promises and what I knew he was able to do. And I used that list and pulled that list out many, many, many times to constantly remind me that he had a plan for this and that I needed to put my faith and my full trust in what he was telling me. Because he'd already given me scripture that, yes, we knew it was sickness, but it wasn't unto death, and that he was going to take care of it. So I needed to learn how to rely on him. Um, And at Vanderbilt, we saw a surgeon and an oncologist. Um, The oncologist laid out this very aggressive chemo plan. So he told us, um, you know, she's going to have to have multiple rounds of chemo. Um, She will need to be in the hospital when she does have the chemo because it's going to be so taxing on her body and um, all of this. So it's going to be multiple hospital stays, multiple treatments, then radiation, then we'll do surgery. And when we left there that day, I was totally defeated. Um, I left there so confused, and I just was like, well, why do you keep telling me that you're going to take care of this? Because every time I go to the doctor, it's worse than it was before, and nobody is saying what you're saying. So what is going on here? And then when, when I would tell my family and even those in my church, they'd all say the same thing. I know it's going to be tough. I know it's going to be hard, but she's going to get through this. And, you know, when she loses her hair, we'll buy her a wig or we'll, we'll support you. And, 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 and you, you know she is going to have to have chemo, right? Because I would, I would say, well, we're, we're waiting to make a decision. And they'd be like, you, but she's going to have to have chemo. And I told the Lord, I said, no one thinks you can do this anymore. Everybody's telling me that you can't do it. And again, because... He gave me in that moment faith to say this. I prayed and said, for your glory, I want you to show them that you can still do this. That you can heal and that you can take care of this. But even if you don't, I will still love you. I will still serve you. And um, it was a very pivotal moment, I think, in how all of it would unfold. Um. I definitely had my faith tested more than I thought was possible in these moments. Um, We did have to, uh, after they did the scan on one part of her body, we did have to go and do a scan of her lungs as well because um, the type of cancer that she had, it it would spread into the lungs. And so then we had to wait for that. Um, But one of the things that I think is such a miraculous thing about all of this is God kept it exactly where it was. It had not spread into her lungs. And so um, as we started trying to decide then, back to this oncologist of, here's what you're going to have to do, I just didn't believe that was the plan. Um, Even though that was what the oncologist had laid out, I just really felt like there was another way. And so we prayed for multiple weeks. um, And the oncologist called asking about our decision. And um, I, I told David, I said, I can't. I can't answer the phone. You, you're going you're gonna to have to talk to him because I don't have a decision and I don't know what to tell him and I just don't want to talk to him. I just don't want to deal with it right now. And so David got on the phone with him and um, the oncologist said, yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of parents struggle with this decision. Um, a, lot of, a lot of Christians struggle with it, but the, the fact is this is, this is what's going to need to happen and, and they all come back to me in the end. 
And he said, well, we're waiting and we're trusting God. So we'll see. And um, I knew we needed a decision at that point. And so got some godly counsel that sometimes even in where we feel like there needs to be a moment of waiting, there still is action to take. There is still something to do. And so I asked God, okay, well, what, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do. I felt like you told me to wait. But now I'm being pressured for a decision, so what am I supposed to do? And so God gave me some scripture um, that really gave me clear guidance to go back to the original doctor that we had talked to that sent us to Vanderbilt. And um, we got in really quick, and I shared, um, you know, we weren't sure what to do. And I told him that I believed that God was going to heal her. And uh, he said, well, I, I do believe God can heal, but I just don't think he does it like he did in the Bible. He uses the ways that we have had today. And I prayed to the Lord in that moment. I said, Lord, I've done everything that you've asked me to do. And we're at a dead end because you're telling me one thing. The doctors are telling me another. And I don't know what else to do at this point. And I mean, immediately, as soon as that came out of my mouth, he looked, that doctor looked at Kate, and he said, well, what do you want to do? She said, I think we just take it out. And he said, then call the surgeon and tell him you want to take it out. I didn't even know that was an option. Nobody had said that. And I called the surgeon. We, we just felt like as soon as we left the doctor's office, that was the right thing to do. There was a piece that came over all of us. And I called the surgeon, and he said, um, well, you know, you can do that, but I just want you to know that when you do that, probably what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of muscle that she's going to lose. She's going to lose a portion of her lungs. She's going to have a breathing tube after the surgery. Um, and so there's, there's a lot more that can go wrong without doing the chemo and the radiation first. And, again, because I knew that God said to do it this way, I said, Let's do it. I did not have a fear about what he told me because I knew this was what God wanted. So we went and um, we had the surgery, and they came back. And um, after the surgery, he called me and he said, um, "You know, Miss Bess, I, I just want you to know that um, it went. Uh, you know, it went as perfectly. Well, I, I mean, I mean, it went as well as it, it could possibly go." And he said the word that I was waiting on. Because in that scripture that he gave me in the beginning, he said, I will perfect that which concerneth thee. And so I knew he had done it. Um, they'd gotten it all. And, and I was originally disappointed when it was really cancer. Because I still held on to hope that even after they'd taken it out, that I thought, I bet when we go for this appointment, they're just going to say it's not even cancer. It's just going to be nothing. They're going to have been wrong and you're going to have, I mean, just absolutely done it. And um, when we left that day and um, we had gotten this was probably three weeks after her surgery, we'd gotten the news that it was really cancer and that she needed to go and see a, a, an oncologist again because they'd have to talk about treatment after. Um, but they had gotten it all and they'd gotten you know clear edging around it and um, I was just so disappointed. I just cried. And Kate said, why are you so upset? And I said, well, I just really believed that God was going to heal you. She said, he did. It's gone. <laughs> and um, she had more faith in that moment than I did for sure. And I said, you're right. It is. 
But what I knew was this starts a journey. There's more tests. Um, we had to go every six months for tests. She'd have to have blood work. And I knew because it was cancer, then my very worried walrus state was going to continue. Well, what if it comes back? Okay, you did it now. Gosh, I don't know. You know, would you do it again? I don't know. Um, and the Lord gave me some some verses around what he promised me. Um, and I know it may sound crazy when I say it, but he promised me that she would never have cancer again. And you may believe that or you may not believe that. And it's taken me a lot of years to truly, firmly believe in that. But I do believe for the moment in time, for his glory alone, he allowed it for a purpose. And she has been seven years cancer-free. And I still do have fear from time to time. But I go back to the scripture that he gave me. And that still small voice that I listen to, to guide me and to direct me in what he wants for me in my life. Um, I will say that God's timing is always perfect. So when it was discovered, uh, the providence of God, I know was at play because we were in a revival at that time and I needed those people. I needed more than just my church praying for them. And that was almost as miraculous as what the Lord did because a church I've never honestly even been to, somehow, and I really don't even remember how it came out that my daughter had cancer, they all were believing that she was going to be healed. They all were rallying around us and trying to pray for us and believing that God was going to do what, what he said he would do. And I never would have imagined. And, and I remember my dad was very frustrated because... This should have been found a year ago. And I said, Dad, if it had been found a year ago, we wouldn't have been in this revival. We wouldn't have had these people around us. I I needed this moment in time, and God worked it for that. Um, And so I have learned in my life um, just by trying to seek out that deeper relationship with the Lord. And in those moments where I don't have a clear direction and I don't know what to do, or even in the moments where it seems like the easiest of decisions, he has been my best friend to direct me in everything that I do in my life because I don't want to make a mistake for him. I want to do the right things. And I know I will, and I know I will fall. Um, But one of the things that I thought about as we were all telling our stories is I have have a lot of guilt, honestly, from the fact that my daughter was healed. Why was my daughter healed? Why did I not have to endure what everybody else has to endure? Um, But I know how the Lord protected us in that moment for his reasoning But I thought about all these things that we've talked about in our stories. And I thought of that scripture in Psalms where it talks about the, you know, you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But really, these are all just a shadow that I walked through. It was nothing compared to what it would have been like without his wings of protection over my life. I did not experience the weight of what it would have been had he not been my shelter and my refuge. 
and that he took the brunt so that I could just experience the shadow. Praise God. And as I was praying on Thursday about how to close out from what I wanted to share, I again asked him, what do I finish up with? And he gave me Psalms 116. I love the Lord. Because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death come past me. And the pains of hell get hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow, and I called upon the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O oh my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Mine eyes from tears and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. And uh, I'm thankful for what the Lord's done for me in my life. For saving me, for helping me in every part of my life. And for that, I will pay my vow forever and tell of his goodness and his mercy. multiple times and I appreciate that. 